Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. All right, welcome into another edition of the Lightning Insider Podcast. I am Eric Erlinson, your host from lightninginsider.com and we're recapping game number one of the Eastern Conference Final between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Islanders. It was a convincing 8-2 victory on the part of Tampa Bay. A walloping, if you will, on the scoreboard, uh, on the score sheet. Um, We're going to touch on some of that uh, in terms of what actually happened to this game and how you can't always just look exclusively at the score. It's how did you get to the score. So we'll get into a little bit of that. Uh, We'll get to your questions at the end of the show. I have a couple of uh, exclusive offers to pass along as well that we'll get to. Um, So let's kind of jump right into things. I I was taking some notes during this game, and I'm going to narrow down uh, to three topics that I want to touch on. The first uh, has to be Braden Point. he is just on another level right now. He has taken his game to a different level that we we've never seen Braden Point play this way. And this is a player who scored 40 goals last year and hit the 90 point mark. A lot of that was on the power play. He did lead the league with 20 power play goals a season ago. Um but the level he's playing at now, like you could look at the way his game evolved from over the last couple of years like last year he was he was a really good player and he benefited from a really good power play when you've got a Stamkos on one side a Kucherov on the other and a Victor Hedman behind you you know you can be the beneficiary of how teams pay attention to them and he what look he's a number one center too uh John Cooper even mentioned it after the game that they don't win the series against the Boston Bruins two years ago, if not for the play of Braden Point. Um, But what we're seeing now is we're seeing a guy who has taken complete and control and command of his game, and he is driving this team. Not just his line. He is driving this team with the way he's playing. And the tone was set on his first shift of the game. It was, what, 71 seconds into the game. It's a little bit of a line change. He takes a puck. It's actually it's the two assists on this goal came from Luke Shannon from Blake Coleman uh, because the, the team was changing behind the play. So he basically goes into the zone. It's basically a one-on-two, if you will. They're not two players right on top of Braden Point. He's not trying to split the D down the middle. He's actually coming in off of the wall. And what you have to look for, is the little stutter step, just a little hip movement, right? Like we've talked uh, a lot about the Shakir part of Braden Point because hips don't lie. 
just to see him do that little shimmy shake, just enough to throw the balance off of Ryan Pulak to create the opportunity for him to get around Pulak and get to the front of the net, basically unopposed at that point. He's able to get to the front, and he's able to tuck the puck in. Boom, the Lightning are off and running. And it's important in a game like this when you have an advantage over a team. The Lightning haven't played for a week, hadn't played for a week. They were able to travel to Edmonton a day before the New York Islanders, who had to play their Game 7 against Philadelphia Saturday night. Well, by the time the the Islanders had dropped the puck in that Game 7, the Lightning were already at their hotel. They were already settled in, uh, for the most part, into their new surroundings and the new uh, the new hotel and everything like that. Meanwhile, the, the Islanders have to go out and play a game. They get on a plane on Sunday. They'd arrive in Edmonton just over 24 hours before they're scheduled to start the next game. So there's a decided advantage for Tampa Bay. There's the rest versus rust. That comes into play as well. But it was a tone setter by Braden Point to come out and take advantage of a team that was in the Islanders' situation. So you do that. Now you force the Islanders to play from behind. They're not, they can come from behind. Don't get me wrong. They did it twice against the Flyers. Twice they were down three goals in that series against the Flyers. Came back to force overtime twice. End up losing the game in overtime. But they were down three goals. So they can come back. They have the type of offense now that maybe they didn't have in previous years where they counterattack and they counterpunch so well when it comes to uh, getting up the ice with you know a Matt Barzell and Anthony Beauvillier. You know, they added a J.G. Pajot at the trade deadline. Justin Bailey's having a fantastic postseason. So they have the players that they can get back in games because they have speed and skill. Their strength is in their defensive zone structure, and they feed off of that, and they can usually burn teams by uh, uh, um, swallowing up turnovers and taking them the other way, gobbling them up and, and, and shooting off down the other end of the ice. So they can come back, but to be able to force them to come and chase from behind from the early stages of the game is key when you're trying to take advantage of a tired team. So Braden Point did that, and that's, that's what I talk about. He's driving the bus on this team. You know, He's driving not just his line, but his team, and that's an important difference there between the two. You know, He's taking command. He's, he's saying, follow me in a leadership type of way. Look, we know he's been a captain before. He's a captain for his junior team. He actually captained the Canada World Junior Team one year, so he has leadership skills, and it's those type of situations. He's not he's not a big talker. <laughs> he's not. I, I tried to ask him after the game about the play we're going to reference here in, in a few minutes that Nikita Kucherov made on Kucherov's goal tonight. You know, uh, I was hoping I could get some more colors, some more. You're not going to get that. Braden Point is straightforward. That's just who he is. That's just his personality. It's on and off the ice. So he, he's not a noisy guy. Even his game is not noisy. His game is wonderful to watch, but it's not a noisy game. So uh, for him to kind of take that leadership type of role, and I can hear people say, I'm not even going to get into that, um, but I can hear it. I can hear it in the back of my head. He's just, that's the kind of level that he's taken his game to, and it's it's wonderful to watch. It's wonderful to see. Uh, it's been evident since July 13th when the team got back on the ice for summer reboot camp, and he's taken it to another level 
Um, he has he has at least a point in every single game but one in this postseason. Any every single game but one in this postseason, and that includes the round robins. So uh, the Lightning are now what fourteen games into their postseason. He has points in twelve of them, uh, and he's right on he's right on the heels of uh, Nathan McKinnon for the playoff scoring lead. Five point night will do that for you as he had tonight. He had two goals and, and three assists. All right, the next thing I want to get to is the Nikita Kucherov assist on his own goal because, again, you want to talk about two players in sync, and there's certainly a lot of storylines around that game with both Nikita Kucherov and Brayden Point finishing with five points. Kucherov had a goal and four assists, so uh, he's an important player. They have such good chemistry. But the play that he made, this is just, I could build a whole story around what essentially is 12 seconds of playtime, if that. It might even have been less than that. But go back and watch the tape. Nikita Kucherov makes a good defensive play in his own end, high in the defensive zone. He's able to get a a stick on a puck and get it over to Kevin Shattenkirk. So as soon as Shattenkirk gets the puck, Kucherov takes off. Now, here's the moment of brilliance. The puck comes his way. He knows that Braden Point is off to his right. So, but he doesn't doesn't let the puck go. He wants to make sure it gets there. So what does he do? He does something that I've never seen a player do before. And I've covered the game for 20 years. We certainly have better replay abilities now than we did even 20 years ago when I started covering the NHL. He turns his blade over and lets the puck just enough to kind of touch it to make sure it gets up to Braden Point. Now, touch passes are nothing new in the NHL. They happen every game. But not this kind of a touch pass. I mean, this is an absolute thing of beauty. Just the instincts, just the thought process to be able to put that all together, to process the information in such a short period of time to turn the blade of the stick over, it's just it's just brilliant. And even if he hadn't have scored a goal here, it still would have stood out because he's able to get the puck over to point on the right boards, and Kucherov makes a a center net drive, gets to the front of the net, uh, gets to the eye, gets to the front of the net, and is able to kind of take the pass from uh, point and put it in the back of the net. I, I, it's just brilliant. I, I don't know what other ways to kind of describe it other than just pure genius in a player. And, you know, Nikita Kucherov uh, takes some criticism from the fan base, saying he doesn't play, he doesn't show up, he can be selfish. And some of that is true, but not all of it. Because he is now the all-time leader in goal scoring in franchise playoff history and points in franchise playoff history. His 16 assists are already the most in one playoff season in franchise history. I believe he has 16 now. He's just a brilliant player. And does he do some things at times that make you want to pull your hair out? Yeah, remember, he was benched earlier this year in a game against the Ottawa Senators because of turning the puck over, right? So he can frustrate you. He can frustrate his coach. He thinks the game differently, and he tries to force plays. Well, when he's not forcing plays, and he plays the game the way he's doing so far in this postseason, especially in a game like tonight, 
you understand the importance and the brilliance that he brings to this team. He's just, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. Uh, I don't think it's a stretch. And in fact, I know it's not a stretch to say he's the most talented and skilled player in franchise history. I think Braden Point is a better all-around player, but when it comes to sh- to sheer skill and sheer um, top player abilities, Nikita Kucherov is the best that this franchise has ever had, and he's still young. He's still a, a driving force on this team. He can do some brilliant, brilliant things, and we saw that tonight for sure. All right, two other quick things I want to touch on. Uh, I know I said three. I'm going to stretch it out here to, to four, but I won't spend... A lot of time on it. Um, Anthony Sorelli, uh, he has not been at his best in these playoffs. He's been a step slow, a step behind, if you will. He he scored a couple of important goals. I mean, he had a tying goal in Game 5 against Columbus that sent that game to overtime before they were able to win it uh, and clinch that series. He had the go-ahead goal in Game 5 against the Bruins um, late in the third period. That would have clinched a series. Boston, of course, tied it, and it took double overtime for the Lightning to win that game. So he's come up with a couple of moments, but his overall game I don't think has been anywhere near the level we are used and accustomed to seeing from Anthony Sorelli. So I saw signs of him coming out tonight, though. I saw some signs of him breaking out of being the player that we know he can be. There was a play in the second period where he had the puck taken away from him, but he stuck with it, and he uh, dogged, I believe it was Beauvillier, down to the offense, into the defensive zone, stole the puck, and turned the play around the other way and got Tampa Bay up the ice. So that is a moment where you're like, okay, I recognize that, Anthony Sorelli. And then there was another play, uh, also in the second period, where the Islanders sent a puck down the ice, I want to say Sorelli was a good two strides behind the play, but he got on his horse and he outraced that Islanders player to the other end of the ice to get the icing call. To me, that's an important sign coming out of Braden Point, out of what he is uh, uh, capable of doing. I think I said Braden Point, Anthony Sorelli. That's what he's capable of doing. That's who he's capable of being. Good sign for him to come out tonight. Uh, the power play is the other question. Um, it's been a force of inconsistency at points during this postseason. You know, they went over against the Columbus Blue Jackets in that series. I had some struggles at times against the Bruins in that series. The stats look good because they had the three power play goals in the one game. Uh, then they had a key important goal on the power play in the five, during that five-minute manger that they had when Nick Ritchie was sent off for the hit on, on Yanni Gord. Uh, so they had a couple of, of key moments in that one game that they had a brilliant one. Um, and then tonight, tonight they end up with two power play goals, a couple of important power play goals. Uh, Victor Hedman's goal in the first period put Tampa Bay back out in front after the Islanders had tied it. So Hedman's goal uh, put Tampa Bay in front. And then in the middle part, uh, late stages of the second period, Braden Point made it 5-1 and really put the game out of reach. And it was again with Victor Hedman manning the point, which of course begs the question, does Victor Hedman stay with a top power play unit? 
Logic would say yes. I think we saw another power play or two in the game where Hedman did not go back out with the top power play unit. He actually re, uh, remained on the number two unit. Uh, I wanted to ask John Cooper that question after the game. I didn't get the opportunity. I wasn't called upon during the post-game uh, press conference, uh, the Zoom calls that we have that you're hopefully familiar with. So I didn't get that opportunity to ask him that question. Maybe I'll have an opportunity uh, on the off day to see if I can get that question answered. But it definitely begs the question, does Victor Hebben need to go back? We've asked that question before. Does he need to go back on the top power play? Is it time to maybe... Rain Mikhail Sergachev back in a little bit. I, I say yes, but that's not my call. Um, maybe we'll get an answer on that from John Cooper, uh, maybe on the off day situation. Um, all right, one more thing I want to touch on before we get to uh, your questions. The D was very active tonight. They were very active in terms of keeping pucks in along the boards. Now, we've talked about that before on... It's a big part of what Tampa Bay wants to do. But to be able to do it, you have to have the support of the forwards. Everybody has to be in sync. And on the Ryan McDonough goal, the goal that made it 3-1, just over 10 minutes into this first, first period, is a perfect example of what that means. Because Mikhail Sergachev pushes down from the right point, just around the top of the circle, he does a great job of using his body to shield the puck. Meanwhile, Nikita Kucherov comes over, overlaps him and is protecting him on the backside. Well, Sergachev is able to get the puck to Kucherov, and then Kucherov is able to get it over McDonough. Ryan McDonough, you know, skates down and, and fires a shot past Thomas Grice to make it a three-one game at that time. So that's an example of how the, the forwards have to be in sync with the defenseman and be able to read that and understand that to protect them so that you can be in- aggressive when it comes to having your D pinch and keep pucks in. Because and this this is this is the fine line. As I've talked about and I talked about in the series preview, the Islanders are a team that will pounce on those turnovers, take them back the other way and then burn you on it with odd man rushes. So you really have to be in sync. And I think they were tonight. Now, the one area that Tampa Bay has to clean up, obviously, the the, the penalties. You know, at one point in this game, it was 4-1 power plays in favor of the Islanders. It, it ended up in Tampa Bay's favor. Uh, they end up with six power play opportunities in this game. The Islanders had five, but early on in the game, it was 4-1 Islanders. You can't have... You can't have that kind of um, undisciplined play. And whether you agree with the calls or not, they're calls. So uh, that's an area they have to clean up. And the other one, you know, we talked about turnovers. Well, the Lightning were credited with 20 giveaways tonight. And if you want to count that to takeaways as well with the Islanders, that's 28. Now, some ranks are a little more liberal in the way they interpret it because the Islanders were credited with 18 giveaways. But the Lightning want to be a team that's more disciplined in their puck management. It's a big part of what their new DNA has to be. Uh, has to be a little bit better than it was tonight. So the Islanders had some chances. They had a shorthand breakaway opportunity by Brock Nelson that at the time could have put the Islanders up ahead 2-1. to one. And It was an unfortunate play. Kevin Shattenkirk made a good play to actually keep the puck in, and then he kind of lost possession of it, and Nelson was able to go the other way. So it was an unfortunate play, but 
Uh, it was one that the Islanders capitalized on. It's a 2-1 game, and now we're, maybe things are a little bit different uh, as the Islanders get some life at that point. Uh, so that's another area that the Lightning are going to have to clean up and be better at uh, because this is the type of game that you know the Islanders are going to take it, they're going to look at some film, and they're going to throw it in the trash. The Lightning almost have to kind of be in the same mindset. Throw it in the trash. Let's look at the tape. Here's what we did right. Here's what worked. Here's what we need to be better at, and then throw it away. Because the odds of you having a, a 8-2 game, a 6 nothing game, a blowout game in this series are probably pretty slim. The Islanders are too good defensively to have another game like this happen. So we'll see what kind of adjustments the Islanders make. Uh, you know they're going to come out better. Uh, they have a dilemma on their hand. Who do they start in goal, Thomas Grice or Semyon Varlamov? Not an easy easy decision for Barry Trotz to make, um, but they do have to make that decision. But they will make some other adjustments. As I said, the lighting found it way easier than I would have imagined to get to the middle areas of the ice and to get shots through. I mean, you get a, a point shot from Victor Hedman, yes, on the power play, but also a shot from Ryan McDonough because there was a screen in front and there was a lane to shoot in. That's something that the Islanders don't give you very often. So uh, you know the Islanders are going to be better. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. All right, before we get to the questions that you guys have sent in, as always, always, I appreciate you sending them in. It's one of my favorite parts uh, of doing this. Uh, Certainly, I did it uh, over the last couple of years on Lightning Lunch, on Lightning Power Play, and I love the fact that we can continue to do it here. So let's get to the questions. But before we do... Let's um, the the special offers that I mentioned. First of all, if you're not a subscriber to my website, if you use the promo code podcast on my homepage and you sign up for a yearly subscription, I'll give you ten dollars off the first year. So that's promo code podcast at lightninginsider.com. Ten dollars off the first year. I also had a trivia question that we were running from the preview podcast. I'm going to run it again so we get some more entries into this before we uh, select a winner. But this is the the prize, by the way, is a, is a shirt from Smack Apparel. It's the, if you saw my Twitter feed, the picture on it, it says, I want to party like it's 2004. That's the shirt that we're giving away. Um, one person randomly selected from the those who send in the right answer to this trivia question. This is the third all-time meeting between the Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning in a playoff series. Three games have been decided by overtime. Name me the three Lightning players who have scored overtime goals against the New York Islanders. Send me a direct message on Twitter at Eric underscore Erlinson, E-R-I-K underscore E-R-L-E-N-D-S-S-O-N. You can also email me. That's eric at lightninginsider.com or you can send me a message through Facebook. My uh, Facebook page is facebook.com slash lightninginsider. Uh, So those are the three ways you can get me your answer. So again, my direct messages are open on Twitter. Email me, eric at lightninginsider.com or you can do it via Facebook as well. So the question again is, three overtime goals have been scored between playoff games involving the Lightning and the Islanders, name me those three Lightning goal scorers. And then the other offer I got for you from Smack Apparel, if you go to their website on anything that they have, not just Tampa Bay gear, on anything that they have, if you use the promo code 
BOGO2020, that's B-O-G-O 2020, they'll give you a buy one, get one offer on any of their apparel. So uh, that's hockey, that's anything that they have. So again, they go to smackapparel.com and you can sign up and take advantage of that offer. Okay, the questions, and boy, a lot of them have filtered in here uh, as I've been talking. So uh, from Palatitude, um, where do the Isles go from here? Look, they'll be better. There's no doubt. They're too good of a team. They've played too well in this postseason not to be better. Uh, The question is, where do they go in goal? That's the one question that I don't think you really have any idea what they're going to do. Probably won't know until game time for game two on Wednesday, which is at again at 8 o'clock on NBC Sportsnet. Um, so the Islanders just got to be better in the defensive zone. You know, they have to take advantage of the chances they had. They had some chances. You know, Matt Barzell had a rebound chance on a power play. He couldn't quite pull the puck from his backhand. It was forehand that hopped over his stick. You know, so he had a chance. I mentioned the Brock Nelson shorthanded chance. They had some chances when the game was still close. Uh, from Drew, uh, wanted to ask about the players' families. Why is the Canadian government not getting the paperwork through for the exemption for them? They knew they were supposed to be coming in the conference finals. I'll be honest, I haven't dug deeper into this, only going off of what I've read from a couple of other outlets. But there are restrictions. There are, uh, especially for those coming in from the U.S., the, the players whose families are in Canada it's easier for them to get there if they want to go. But for those that are still in the U.S., it's a little bit of a bigger issue. And look, it's not that simple. We are still in the middle of a pandemic. And I think the worst thing, and, and then from a league standpoint here too, you got to be very, very careful because you don't want to introduce something into the bubble and blow everything up. So if this is going to be done, it has to be done very, very carefully, and it has to be very strict because you still have to, okay, yes, the players' families can have you know the requirements of three negative COVID tests over a three-day span before they can travel. Depending on how they get there, they still have to get there. And if they, have to, if they fly commercial, which I'm not sure if the teams would have a private charter, but you know, not everybody's family is in the same place. So that's the other thing. You have to get the families to Tampa. Let's say they have to get everybody in to, their, to the family here in Tampa. They still have to fly commercial to get here most likely. So there's a lot of things to have to consider. Uh, I know that this was, this was something that was part of negotiation, but you know, when you're dealing with the government, it's a lot different than dealing between the NHL and the NHLPA. I don't know if it's going to get resolved uh, in time. I think the players are understandable of that. I know uh, in listening to Victor Hedman, uh, his family's not going to come. Um, Yanni Gord wasn't sure. As far as he knows, his wife and and daughter are going to stay home uh, for this. Um, But it it is something that, you know, was talked about going into this and doesn't look like it's going to happen now. But again, you're dealing with the Canadian government. Uh, from Bryant talk at hockey Bryant on Twitter. Do you think the amount of penalties called on this game is reactionary from the lack of calls for the last round is a penalty kill the lightning's weakest aspect right now? Uh, it is. That's what at least six consecutive games. Tampa Bay has allowed a power play goal. I think that's a concern. Uh, I think the number of penalties that they've been taking is a concern. I don't think it's uh, reactionary from the lack of calls in the last round. Um, you know, each, each series is its own identity. Uh, each game is its own identity, and you don't always have the same officials calling every game. So 
but I would agree that the penalty kill needs to be better. They need to have a game where they go over. Right? They just have to. They haven't had one of those in a while. Uh, from Michael Alderman, any concern over the odd band rushes Tampa gave up to the Islanders? Absolutely. I think you have to be concerned with that. That's a big part of who the Islanders are. That's a big reason why they were able to knock off the Flyers because of their ability to create those two-man uh, odd-man rushes, um, you know, mostly two-on-ones, and take advantage of them. They got a couple tonight, uh, especially late in the first period. I know it was a three-to-one game at that point, but you can't allow that. That's how Islanders get back into games. Uh, from Ryan Wells, even though this was a good game, if you were Cooper, what would your biggest concern coming out of this game? Would it be the play of Sergachev taking too many penalties, or is this game getting to their heads? I think their five on five was great today. Um, their five on five, their five on five game was good. Uh, it was not as good as it was in the series against the Bruins. Uh, so there's definitely room for improvement. I think again, if you keep this series five on five, it's advantage for Tampa for sure. But the you know the Islanders are a deeper team. They can throw more consistent lines at you than the Bruins can. Bruins are top-heavy. They had some depth. The Islanders have a lot of depth beyond just their top line. So um, Nikita uh, Mikhail Sergachev needs to be better. There's no doubt. Uh, look, he made a great play to set up McDonough's goal, but he does have to be better as a whole. M- my biggest concern would be the, the, the turnovers. You can't give the Islanders life. You know, the the big talk going into this postseason for Tampa Bay was puck management needs to be better than it was tonight. What is the goal differential for five-on-five play in these 2020 playoffs, excluding the round robin? So that's goals that are lighting to score five-on-five versus what they have given up. So this question comes from, uh, it's Lord Stanley on Twitter, but the handle is at EP Mendez 2481. It's a great question. It's a great observation. They're plus 17. 31 4 14 against a five on five play. So again, that's why five on five play is advantage Tampa Bay. Uh from Michael Musetta, this is not nitpicking, but the last minute was not very good defensively. It happens. It's a blowout. It's a lopsided game. You know, I think it is nitpicking at that point. Uh, You don't want bad habits to get into your game when you're ahead by that much. But let's face it, they were pretty sharp up until the last couple of minutes. There was a chance that Tyler Johnson had to get the puck out of the zone. Wasn't hard enough on the puck. Actually had it stripped, kept the puck in the zone. So, yeah, they did give up a couple of chances. But, hey, maybe they're just padding Andre Vasilevsky's save percentage. Uh, From... Brown Crow, who is uh, D Brown Crow on Twitter, do you have faith the team will keep its head in the right place after an opening game laughter? Clearly, they won't all go this way. That is absolutely true. I think all you have to do is go back to game two or game three against the Bruins when they won seven to one. Didn't go to their head. They understood what was coming next from the Bruins and they were prepared for it. I believe that they'll have that preparation in mind for uh, game two of this series as well. Uh, from Chris Wright, great win, great start. Is the fact that the Bolts took several penalties a concern going forward? Doesn't it seem like the Isles can consistently generate offense five on five? Uh, look, they have to take less penalties. That's been something that they've harped on since last September. It's been almost a year 
since they got to training camp for this season, and that was one of the first things that both John Cooper and Julian Breesbaugh mentioned. That's an area they have to be better at, and they're still going to have to be better at it. Uh, so that has to be something that they uh, improve upon. But yeah, 5-on-5, five five, they're the better team, just like they were against the Bruins. They are against the Islanders as well, and I think the more you keep this 5-on-5, five five, the better off it's going to be. Uh, from Lee Ensinoza, any chance Cooper replaces Tyler Johnson with either Stevens or Carter Verhage? Johnson has been MIA since the playoffs started. Uh, you need more out of Tyler Johnson. There is no doubt for sure. Uh, but I will say this, and if you've listened to any previous podcasts, John Cooper has a lot of faith in players who have uh, performed for him in the past. And Tyler Johnson has performed for him in the past, whether it was in Norfolk the year they won the Calder Cup, whether it was the next year in Syracuse before John Cooper was elevated to the Lightning and that Syracuse team made the Calder Cup final whether it was in the 2015 playoffs, he knows what Tyler Johnson is capable of. And unless it's something egregious or he's hurt, he's not coming out of the lineup. And that's not a knock against either Mitchell Stevens or Carter Verhage. That's just the way it is. Now, if by some chance Steven Stamkos could come back, that bumps Tyler Johnson to a lesser role for sure. Um, but in terms of replacing him with a Verhage or a Stevens, I don't see it happening. Uh, good one here from uh, Capital Bay Bolts. Holy cow, question mark. Yeah, it was that kind of a night, wasn't it? Uh, another one from Michael Musetta. Kevin Weeks is nothing but off for Kucherov on his pass over to point on Kucherov's goal. Phenomenal. Yeah, I told you I could build a whole story around that. It was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, from our friend in the Czech Republic who, you should have kept the name. It said, Eric, don't try and pronounce my name. So I'm not going to try and pronounce your name. You should have kept your handle that way. Um, I don't remember when we played better game in the playoffs, maybe. Do you? We took our advantages of being more rested against the Islanders. We were too fast, didn't let Isles play their game. Besides the three stars, I have to praise Kevin Shattenkirk. Um, look, I actually think the 7-1 game they played against the Bruins was better than tonight. The result looks different. Uh, feels different because it's Eastern Conference Final, maybe more of a spotlight. I actually think they were better. And I actually think they were probably better in game one against Columbus, that five overtime game where they were patient and really didn't give Columbus a whole lot at all and they had such dominant puck possession and the way they controlled the game. There were elements tonight that they did control the game, but as a whole, um, I would say that they, they can they can play better. They finished for sure tonight, but as a whole, I think they can actually play better. And uh, to your point about Kevin Shattenkirk, yeah, so the three stars of the game were uh, Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, and Victor Hedman. Uh, Kevin Shattenkirk has started to look much more comfortable as this playoffs has gone on. He ended up with three assists tonight and a plus three rating. Um, kind of gets lost in, in the hoopla uh, around Point, Kucherov, and, and Hedman in the games they had. But yeah, you're right. Kevin Shattenkirk had a really good game. Uh, a couple more here before we sign off. Another one from Michael Musetta. Did you see Yanni's grin when you asked Braden Point your question about Kucha's sick pass to Point? He was grinning and shaking his head that he agreed it was unbelievable. Yeah, that's why I was hoping Braden Point would give us a more expand on it, a more colorful answer. I really, honestly, I really did want to ask Yanni that question, but Braden Point was there on the ice with him. I, I just felt it was better suited towards point in that situation but yeah you know look it's it's again it's just an absolute thing of brilliance um another question from uh uh, Zemek, uh about the future what players who are unrestricted thus offseason will stay with tampa bay i assume lightning keep all rfas 
that's a tough one. Um, it's hard to imagine unless they take a dramatic discount um, because of the cap issues that the Lightning are already going to have. Andre Vasilevsky's cap hit jumps to $9.5 million. And then you have to re-sign Anthony Sorelli and Mikhail Sergachev, plus Eric Chernak, plus Mitchell Stevens. Not that you know Stevens or Chernak would take up a chunk of cap space, but they're still going to get raises off their current contracts, especially Chernak and the role that he has. So um, it's tough to say. Like it's hard to imagine a scenario where Kevin Shattenkirk is able to come back. You know, he's signed on a on a cheap deal because he has the buyout from the Rangers. It's hard to imagine him doing that again. He's redeemed himself here. Um, he's due for some sort of a payday. It's probably his last quote unquote big money contract. It's hard to see him getting that from Tampa Bay. Pat Maroon. Could see him coming back you know, on a similar type deal, but is he willing, If especially if the Lightning get to the promised land and he's on back-to-back years where he's won a cup? You know, Is he going to accept that type of a, of a deal again? And look, he sat around on the open market for a month before the Lightning signed him. So is he willing to take another one of those type of deals? If he does, then it's possible. Uh, but other than that, I, I just don't see any of the UFAs coming back. This team already has a lot of money committed uh, to a lot of players, and with the flat cap, it's going to take some uh, serious work for uh, Julian Breezeblatt to figure this all out. Uh, from Evgeny Lightning fan, One Bolt Nation, what a game, but we all have to remember that this is scoring what counts as one game. Uh, I wanted to ask about Sorelli's game. I think he was really good tonight, forechecking ferociously, winning puck battles, outracing the Islanders player, etc. Absolutely, I mentioned that. I think I saw signs of him coming out. Uh, and the last one from our Czech friend, if Tampa Bay wins Stanley Cup without Stamkos this year, do you think his role in the team will be changed? Trading it was unlikely, but I think Hedman should be captain. We can't play without Hedman. We all remember Game 7, Stamkos, he can't handle in crucial moments. Oh, I don't agree with that. Um, I understand that he hasn't maybe lived up to the standards that he set and that fans have for him. His role is not changing. He is an important part of this team. He's the captain of this team. His defensive game has improved so much. He wins faceoffs. He's a power play performer. His role is not going to change. I again, as I said in the in the preview podcast, I, I would caution jumping to conclusions and jumping to judgment with Steven Stamkos until we know the story. Let's wait for that to come out before we start admonishing Steven Stamkos because he's not able to play here. We don't know what's going on. So let's wait for that to happen um, for us to kind of pass judgment and kind of look at things maybe through a different light. All right, well, that's going to wrap up uh, this post-game recap from Game 1 against uh, the New York Islanders. Again, Tampa Bay wins Game 1, 8-2. They hold a one nothing series advantage. Game 2 comes at you on Wednesday at 8 o'clock, as always. Thanks everybody for the questions. I love the interaction part. Hopefully you're enjoying this. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, We're on Google now in case Google is where you get your podcasts, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get them. Hit the subscription button. Hit the five-star reviews on Apple. They mean a lot. They help out a lot. So if you could do that, uh, again, I told you we'll start reading some of those five-star reviews. So leave them for me. We'll get your name here on the podcast. Don't forget about the trivia question and the two special promos that we offered. Um, send me those uh, trivia question answers on Twitter, on my email, or via a messenger on Facebook. Uh, that's the way to get those S. And we'll pick one random winner who win a free t shirt courtesy of Smack Apparel. 
All right, I'll be back for a post-game recap on Wednesday after Game 2. Enjoy the day off, and we'll get back at it in a couple of days. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.